Hi, and welcome to the Writers Forum, our weekly literature-based interview series on WRBH. I'm David Benedetto, and today I'll be speaking with the author Jamie Addenberg, the best-selling author of five novels, most recently All Grown Up, which we'll be talking about today. How are you doing today, Jamie? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad good. to get you in here. Uh, the, tour, the back end of your tour, obviously, coming yep. to an end. Yep. But, uh, but just down the street. So, well, across town, but so it wasn't too hard to get me here. It's about technically across the street. We'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how has it been so far? On the tour? Um, it's been good. Uh, you know, it's always an interesting time to tour uh, after there's a new president in office. So that was a whole experience. Of having my book came out originally in March, mm-hmm. so that was you know had its own challenges there, um, but very interesting to talk to people across the country and see how people were reacting to that. Um, and the reviews have been pretty good, and um, yeah, I don't know. And I've got about I've got about seven more events left, um, traveling all over the country still, and uh, it's I mean I'm always happy anyone cares at all. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, generally a good thing that people people like your book, that it's out there, they're showing up. Right. Um, well, they're cool. I, I like it myself. Just oh, thank so you, you know, we're going into this. I, I have not finished all of it, but what I've read, I've really, really enjoyed. Um, I read the first chapter three times because I really loved it. Oh, um, thank you. I You start off in the second person kind of going through this this person's, you know, life in New York. And I, I thought it was really kind of a, a great and uh, really tight writing that I really enjoyed. Uh, and I want to hear just a little bit about your kind of writing style and like how you do your original drafts and how you kind of whittle things down sure. if you do it all. Yeah. So um, the rest of the book is is first person. That's the only chapter that's that way. And I actually wrote it very near the end of the writing of the book. And I had no intention. I thought it was going to be first person all the way through. Yeah. Um, but originally what happened was I wrote about three chapters of this book uh, uh, as, as, as a story cycle, they were all different short stories and it was an, I didn't know what the narrator's name was, was yet. Um, her name is Andrea Byrne now. Um, and it was just about a woman watching her friend get married, have a baby, and then something else happens. But these are standard life cycle moments and the narrator is single and doesn't have a kid and doesn't want to get married and doesn't want to have a kid and um, it's kind of like trying to figure out what she's doing with her life, although she's almost 40 um, during the present tense of the book. And um, and I wrote all those chapters, and then um, and I was like, I, I don't really want to write about this book, and I kind of put it away, and I actually wrote a ghost story. Yeah. For I wrote about 100 pages of a ghost story over the next six months because I wanted to do something so different. And then it turns out I'm not really very good at writing <laughs> ghost stories, <laughs> or it wasn't just the right, maybe now I'm realizing it just wasn't the right ghost story for me. Um, but I, but I still had kind of, I was kind of using the same characters and I was putting them through their paces. So in, in a way I was getting to know these characters and I was writing the book the entire time without knowing it. So then when I finally went back to the book, I, um, I had these fully formed characters sitting there waiting for me to just give them something new to do and give them the right thing to do. And then once that happened and I realized I knew what I wanted the story to be, um, and that was, that came out of writing the second chapter of the book. Yeah. Um, and once I figured out what the angle was, um, I took, I was very fast for me. I mean, I probably wrote, I think I wrote like 90 pages in three weeks or something like that. Like it was just there. Like I just made a list of chapters and and just went one, you know, knocked them all down. So, um, in some ways it only took me six months to write it. In other ways it took me a year and a half to write it. If you know what, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, and then as I got to the end of the book, um, I, yeah, that, that first chapter just popped up and it, it sort of needed to 
exist for some, for, I, I mean, I know the reasons why, but it just popped up, but I'm very, I don't, um, not a planner. I definitely allow myself to make mistakes and trust that I'm going to write. I mean, after having written six books, it's, I know I will write another one. Yeah. How did you kind of figure that out? That, that, that your own kind of rhythms in that, was it something that was kind of, uh, troubling for you to find or did it just kind of happen naturally? I think it happened pretty naturally. Once I wrote the first, but it took me, I didn't really start writing books until, I mean, I was always a writer and I went to school for creative writing. Yeah. I didn't really start writing books until I was in my thirties. And then once I wrote the first one, I'm just very disciplined. Like I can just sit down and bang out a thousand words a day. Yeah. And once I realized that that was the thing that I was good at, that I had been trying to figure out the thing that I was really good at. I'd done a million jobs since I'd graduated from college. And then, um, and then I thought, oh, this is it. This is the thing I know how to do. So then I desperately just wanted to keep doing it forever. Yeah, no, that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing that. The thing is that you have to treat it like it's your job. Yeah. Do you? Is it easy for you to get into to that mental like place where you can? Was it? Was it hard initially? I know somebody. I mean, once I made the leap, I was all in it. Um, yeah. Somebody gave me a place to stay for a summer for three months and to watch this dog as part of the exchange it was in northern california and i didn't have a car and so i was mostly just trapped up on the side of this mountain hill thing whatever <laughs> with this big awful dog who was really mean and i but i was there to write and so i just i really just wrote a thousand words a day for three months had like five nervous breakdowns drank a lot of wine there was a lot of um there was beautiful gardens there so i could just eat the like the healthiest you know fresh food and um but i was trapped yeah and i was trapped writing a book but that's how i wrote my first book all these constraints kind of forcing in there. they force you to do it but really like the constraints you can put you, you learn how to just give yourself those constraints yeah do it yourself yeah. just internalizing these things yeah well that, that's that's kind of cool um and the thing i appreciate about this book there's a lot of things i do um but is the unromanticized nature of new york and not even like like a dismal city or like bleak you kind of like stay away from just tones generally for the city altogether are putting like a haze or a filter on it, uh, which I find really interesting in presenting things just kind of as they are, kind of ciphering through your characters' lives. Well, she's a native New Yorker, which I am not um, that, but I always wondered what it would be like to be that person. Yeah. I grew up in a small town in, in Illinois, actually. But I, uh, the New Yorkers that I've met that I know don't, they have an uh, affection for the city but they don't romanticize it because it's all they've ever known. Yeah. So uh, I, I just sort of put myself in that mindset. If I if I didn't come into it with any, if I hadn't seen any movies about New York, if I hadn't read in you know Bright Lights, Big City when I was seventeen or eighteen years old, if I didn't know anything about New York and I just showed up there, um, or it was in my DNA, um, what would that be like? So that was part of the the challenge of it. She doesn't. She does love the city though. She does, it is part of her, and she's very fascinated with, um, she loves the Empire State Building. That's mm -hmm. a big, that's a big theme that's running through the book. Um, she loves, uh, she loves people, the people of New York, I think. Um, but whatever, yeah, whatever, um, whatever magic it holds for an outsider does not, it's not the same magic for her. Do you find that different uh, having, you know, lived both in New York and in New Orleans? Mm -hmm. how, how do you find that here, how people react to the city and kind of the mythologizing that you find? Of New, of New Orleans? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I have a lot to say about New Orleans um, or or more about um, how people... I'm Because I'm, the new book I'm writing is actually set in New Orleans, yeah. so I've been thinking about it a lot. I mean, first of all, because I wasn't here for Katrina, like I'll never know. I've been, I had been to the city before Katrina, but I'll never know the before and after. Yeah. And so the people who lived here, who've lived here forever, or at least have lived here long enough to know the before and after, um, it's something that they, it appears to me that it can't, people can't shake it. Um, and don't want, and don't want to, and, and are honoring it. And so it's, you know, for better or, or worse are honoring that. I don't know, were you here? Or? I was not. I, I grew up in Baton Rouge. Oh, you grew so, up in Baton Rouge. Yeah. But you know what the city looked like before and after, and, yeah, very and what much. the yeah. So that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, you know, I mean, I was in. It's not the same, but I was in. You know, New York for September 11th, and um, which is like my the best equation I have. Even though obviously Katrina changed the entire landscape and the population, whereas you know, a year there were things that September 11th changed about New York, but it's almost, it's too big a city, and also. And also New York City is is really um, accustomed to change. Yeah. And I feel like the city is not accustomed to that kind of change because they, they, the its joy and is its traditions. Yeah. Um, this is not about my book at all. I'm so I interested guess, in it, though. I but. guess it's about a book I'm going to write in the future. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. So I I think it's. Um, I mean, I really love it here. I just moved here, like you know, almost in February, it'll be two years and I've been coming here for years. So, um, it's a, but it's very, it's just very different because the natures of the, 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 the two cities are just so different, different. I mean, New York city is massive and sprawling. And I've always thought of it as like a, you know, like a two headed monster, like you cut off one head and another one pops up right, right away. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's just the way the city is built and the infrastructure and the, and the nature and just the nature of it. And here it's not, it's not quite, it's not that nobody wants to cut off anyone's head you know everybody would just like to have heads have heads be <laughs> like hanging out and having a good time and please don't cut off anybody's head here yeah so um yeah it's a different it's just a different game it's um the va but they but you know new york city has its um traditions and history too obviously but it's really it's what makes new orleans so special yeah no, that's interesting. That's an interesting answer. I, I like that. Um, to kind of pivot back to the book a oh, little yeah, bit. Oh, yeah, sure. Please do. Uh, <laughs> Please buy my book. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, um, the title, All Grown Up. I'm interested in hearing about your opinions and what does it actually mean to be a grown-up and, you know, how you address that here. Yeah, mm -hmm. right? That's a really, it's a tough question. Um, I, I mean, I asked people about it when I was writing the book for like a year. I would just keep, when I was doing revisions too, because it was like an interesting question to ask people. Lots of people can tell you what they know is... Um, what isn't being an adult? Yeah, um, it's harder to say. Oh, I have a cousin, and he's um, definitely an adult. He's or not an you know this person's <laughs> not an adult, not an adult because he does this, this, and this. Uh -huh. um, so for me, like I, I did put a lot of thinking into it. Um, I think it's about taking responsibility for your actions, knowing why you're making the decisions that you're decisions that you're making, um, and um, and owning up to it, and um, no, just kind of being more, just being very self-aware about why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. That's it for me. What about you? For me? Uh, why do I, what do I think grown up is? Oh, that's a really good question. You just turned it on me I there. turned it. You really did. How, how did you not have an answer oh, ready for this? See? No, man. I'm in control of the interview usually. <laughs> oh, well, that got away from me. Yeah. Um, I think being a grown up is finding some sort of consistency in your life. Sure. And being able to... Mm, that's not good. 
I will, I will think on that. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Next time. Obviously. Oh, yeah. that's good. Uh, yeah. See, it's really hard. Um, and it's only because I put a lot of thinking into it. I'm, and also it was kind of one of the reasons why I originally didn't really want to write the book. I mean, there are a couple of reasons why, but one of them was really like, if I, whenever you write a book, you have to, there's a, there's at least, at least one big question that's posed within its pages. Yeah that's going to get be answered in one way or another by the end of the book. And so I knew that that was um, a question that I was going to have to be able to answer for myself, even though the answer may not be what applies to the characters in the book. Yeah. You, as, the, as an author, should have your own answer for it. So sometimes it's like it, it might not be the same answer for, her, for Andrea, the narrator, but on my viewpoint is still going to filter through it and and through her and through all the other characters in the book. So I had to, I knew I was going to have to figure it out, and I didn't know if I was there yet. And I think writing this book was definitely a helpful process for me in determining my own answers for that question. It's the only one I got, man. <laughs> it's a hard question, a hard <laughs> framework. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, writers that have inspired you kind of uh, in your own writing career. Well, I mean, when I was coming up, I mean, Grace Paley is like one of my favorite writers. And I, you know, also she's like an incredible role model as a human being. Like she was a social activist and um, she's very voice oriented in her writing. And I'm very voice oriented in mine. And um, there's just like an honesty and compassion and humor that runs through her work yeah. that um, even though I am not, don't have the same voice as hers, I was influenced by that, I would say. She's number one. On the list? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any uh, type of rituals that you do before writing every day? Do you write every day? I mean, I it's mm, not right now, but uh, I'm kind of getting back into it now. I had It's hard when you're tour, touring to be writing every day. And I was writing, I wrote a lot of essays this year, but I was I only just started writing this new book this summer when I got back into town because I just, it's too hard on the road to start something new. And I wrote a short story this summer too. Um, yeah, so I um, I do what I what I like to do is not be online yeah. for the morning. That's sort of the dream. Like you get up and you kind of just. I have um, like this book is being published in um, in like I think like fourteen other countries or something like that. So I have foreign publishers that I sometimes have to deal with. So I do get up in the morning and check. I get up really early and yeah. I'll look at emails to make to see if there's anything that I need to deal with somewhere else. Um, but ideally, it's to turn the you know turn freedom on my computer. I didn't used to have to do that, and now I have to do it. Um, I used to be stronger <laughs> than I am now. Freedom is an app. If you don't know what it is, it's an app that shuts down your internet. Maybe somebody listening doesn't know what it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and so then I I try to read. For an hour and handwrite that's the first thing that's the first step for anything um i find that when i just type directly into the computer it's feels like it needs to be perfect right away yeah but if i handwrite then i can just you know make mistakes be, be feel really free be really inventive leave holes that i can fill in later but i don't ever have to feel like i have to stop yeah. and, and fill and fill in the blanks uh so that's helpful for it, you know, inventing things. And then when I get on the computer in the afternoon, 
I feel like I'm describing a former life because I haven't been able to have this process as much as I would like um, lately. But that is really uh, next year will be that will be the case. There'll be nothing I'll need to do next year um, except for write the, a book. And that will be my that will be my every day for probably, you know, six months next year. Good. Yeah. Um, it's good to unplug. I know that that gets harder and harder as everything's kind of ingrained in the the Internet of Things are just like everything being connected to the Internet or just the constant need to know the news and understand and keep up with the context. Yeah. Um, do you find any of that anxiety kind of like going into your writing, you know, not just about like politics or current day things, but just the anxiety of having to know things? Well, I mean, I do think that All Grown Up was written as or uh, as a response to the way people are reading now. Yeah. Because it's very short and it's really immediate and it's pretty minimalist and it's, um, I just wanted to have it feel really current and memoiristic um, and have it feel, and have people read it and just want to read it and like, and, and get a rush of information out of it. Um, does the anxiety, what was the question? Anxiety about the world? Anxiety about the world or just like the constant. Internet. Yeah, yeah. sure. I, that's why I turn it off. Uh, yeah, you have to learn how to compartmentalize in contemporary society. I mean, I'm, you know, this, it's it's real easy to want to write in real life events into your into your writing. Even as I've been working on this New Orleans book, I'm like, do I want to have the Confederate stat statues coming down? Like uh, for the last three months, I'm like, I'm just going to write that. It's going to be in there. And then like yesterday, I was like, I don't want to have that in. I don't want to like place it too much. You can write about it without writing about it, I guess. There's yeah. lots of things. This is, to me, this is my election book. Yeah. Um, and I wrote about a lot of anxieties that were coming out of what the conversations were about gender in the 2016 election. They're really written and race to a smaller extent and, and economics also um, and class issues. They're written into it, um, but they're not. I think that if I had sat down and said, had this narrator, you know, watch the news every night and say and scream at the television during the debates, like that just doesn't like that's then you might as well just like look at the internet. Yeah. So there's got to be a way to tell that story without being explicit about it. No, I get that. You kind of work around it while also getting to the heart of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. That's hard. Those are difficult things to write about. Are Are you scared of addressing any of those things? No. Like head on? No. Yeah. I don't know why I would be. Yeah. Why would somebody be scared of that? Something. You mean like they don't want it? They can't handle it, or they're scared to talk about? These scared things? of reaction sometimes. Oh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I think that anybody who's reading my work is, we're on the same team. Yeah. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who wants to read a book about a single child-free woman in New York City, ex-artist is probably on the same side as me. I'm get just a guess. <laughs> I mean, please go ahead. It would be great. I, you know, honestly, you write these, you write books and you think I want everyone in the world to read it and you hope that you could like change somebody's mind about certain things, but it's never really, it's really hard to make the case to get people to get it in the hands of somebody you wish would take a look, take a look at it. So you just write whatever you have to say and just put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I find that with my nonfiction work, I have a better opportunity probably to reach people. If I write something for O magazine, for example, or maybe the New York Times or something like that. I've written a bunch of essays this year. Like that might possibly have the opportunity, but I don't think people are picking up this book. 
I mean, please do. Please. <laughs> Everybody, please pick up this book. But it's a lot, there's a lot of sex in it. I don't know. It's good. But yeah. yeah. But it's a funny, it's a funny book and it's about compassion. And it's about family. And all my books are that way. They all kind of they're all compassion is like the through line. Compassion, humor, the through line through all my books. But I don't know. I was just watch I was watching this Facebook argument between some people I went to high school with. And it was, um, they're both lawyers and they still live, he lives in Indiana and she lives in this small town. She lives um, kind of in the suburbs of Chicago now and he's a hunter and she's not a hunter. She was posting about the NRA and I was watching them go back and forth and I was like, I don't think anyone's going to convince anybody of no. anything. So I don't think this book's going to convince anyone, but maybe not. Yeah. Girl can dream. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. No, no, I think that's great that it's out there. And you, you hope that people from, you know, differing perspectives would look at it and find something that they can attach themselves to. Art is for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I, I like that. Mm. Um, but you no, are, you have to write without fear. Yes. Okay. I that's like that. The, that's the end of it. Yeah. Uh, social media. Uh, you're on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, on Tumblr, sort of, but not as much. Tumblr used to have a little bit more potency than it does now. Um, and I like, you get different things out of different platforms. Yeah. Um, and they and it sort of mutates. I mean, Twitter used to be like a great news source for me, and now it's just like not that at all. Um, Chasing humor and garbage fires? It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard. You, I feel like I have like 50 different places to look to get the information that I want. And then I have to fact check everything like three times. And, um, but I would rather be informed than not informed, but it's almost like it takes longer to get the information you need now in order to get the exact, to, to get the correct information, yeah. I guess. Um, but I like it as a way of communicating with people, uh, reaching readers. I always, every tour event, somebody would come who had, you know, asked about my dog who is always on my Instagram account. And, um, so it's, it's worth it. It's, it's helpful to reach people. And I have made friends off of it. And, um, sometimes I just will write an idea that I have. And then an editor will, who follows me will say, will you please write about it for us so I can get work off of it. It's a very lazy way of pitching, but it's effective. Um, it's just a way it's, you know, there's a lot of good thing. I still believe in it, but I also know that, what it once was, is it's not anymore, and that's why I have to take more time away from it. Yeah, it's important. Just there, it, It's very time-consuming, and again, to the anxiety. Do you spend a lot of time on it? More than I should. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even post very, very often myself, but I do enjoy going through, because I feel like it's kind of a, almost like a... Uh, images painting, you know, like yeah. just kind of like looking at all these different sides and trying to piece it together, even though it's a lot of, it's mentally taxing, right? It's, it is. I just read a huge article that like, I just, even though I knew all of it, it just kind of blew my mind. It was in the Guardian this weekend about um, all these people from Silicon Valley who were like, who helped make these social media like platforms who are like, we're sorry we screwed up. And like, we think it's really bad for everyone's brains. Oh, wow. Like what they thought it was what they thought they were making has somehow it's been corrupted somehow. And they're like, Oh, it's really kind of really bad. I mean, I, I remember when email first came into play and I read an article about how comparing it to like a slot machine yeah. where you're just sort of refreshing cause you're waiting for that, you know, it hits the same pleasure center. Well, now you've got Twitter pleasure centers and Facebook and like all the likes, the likes are apparently the same as like playing a slot machine. Yeah. 
So I was like, I need to delete this from my phone. <laughs> I, I did the same thing, actually. In, immediately. Yeah. And then sometimes I put it back on when I'm traveling because it's my only way of keeping in touch with certain people. Yeah. And um, But next year, next year's the year. Get but then clean. something terrible happens in our world or our government, and you're like, I, I, I feel out to, of the loop, right? Uh, and I don't have a TV set, and so I have to go and get this information somehow. It's really... So the best thing for me is just to take the mornings off. That's I've sort of given up like altering the rest of my day, but I get up real early. I get up at six, so if I can make you know six to noon, yeah, that's that's a day. That's a work day. That's it's a good you know yeah. six hours right there. You can you can take that. Yeah, I mean, that's a good like at least start. You know, maybe progress from there. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Um, I like that. Um, well, our, our time is is coming to an end. Um, do you have a title for your new project that you're working on? Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be the 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 final title. But yeah. for now, it's called Blind Spot. Okay. Excited and containing. You've talked about it a little bit before uh, about uh, New Orleans, kind of surrounding certain things, and you know your election book. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, things could change. You know, <laughs> totally. Like, I got a year. Ask me in a year. <laughs> it might be a space <laughs> opera. Who knows? Yeah. You know? um, no, it will not be. It that. Might be a space <laughs> opera. Okay, we can roll that out. Yeah. Then. Um, what are you reading right now that, that you've really been enjoying? I just read um, Jasmine Ward's new book, and it was really good. Yeah. Um, I cried at the end. I'm reading this short story collection that I found on the street. It's like a 30-year-old short, short story collection called, uh, I think it's called like Wicked Women, Wicked Ways, and Angela Carter mm. edited it, it a long time ago. Um, yeah, that's what I'm... That's on the plate right now. Yeah, Not cool. like very, and I'm in a I'm in a book club of with one other person, my brother. So we're we're we going to read that that David Grossman book that won the Booker Prize. Oh, cool! I can't remember what it's called. Uh, neither can I, but I've heard great things about it. Yeah. So. Oh, awesome. Well, that's good. Well, well Jamie, um, before you go, uh, if you wouldn't mind telling people where they can find more information about you and any upcoming events in the New Orleans area. Okay, yeah, because I have a big one that's coming up. Awesome. Um, so uh, all grown up, uh, my website is jamieattenberg.com, which has links to every other place I think that you want to find me. But my Twitter is Jamie Attenberg. My Instagram is Jamie Attenberg. All, those, all the things are Jamie Attenberg. Um, there are copies of my book, signed copies of my book that are available around town and there's audiobooks available and um an audiobook version available and I'm doing a reading at the New York or sorry the New Orleans Public Library. Yeah, the event is um at six PM at the um New Orleans Public Library downtown. Uh I, and it's uh Thursday, November ninth. It's gonna be great. I might read a new short story. Cool. Yeah, it'll be fun. Awesome. Well Jamie, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciated having you. Thanks for having me. Bye. That was author Jamie Addenberg, whose latest book is called All Grown Up. And that's our show. You've been listening to the Writers Forum on WRBH 88.3 FM here in New Orleans. You can catch our show every Thursday at 3 p.m. as well as Sundays at 8.30 a.m. As always, all of WRBH's shows will be archived on our SoundCloud page, which can be found at soundcloud.com slash WRBH Reading Radio. I'm David Benedetto. Until next time.